We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. It's Denton Day on the Team 980 at the Denton Day on the Twitter machine. Coming up tomorrow, it's the biggest and the best game in college football. Ohio State, Michigan, the winner not only gets a spot in the Big Ten Championship, but likely a spot in the college football playoff as well. And a man that knows that rivalry better than just about anybody is Bobby Carpenter, former Ohio State linebacker. You can hear him mornings on 97.1 as part of the juice. And you can find him on Twitter at BCarp3. Bobby, what's going on, man? How are you? Oh, Dan, thanks for having me on, sir. Uh, I'm, I'm glad that you're here, man. Are you starting to feel like, what's the environment like in Columbus? I know it's back at the shoe this year. What, what's the environment like in Columbus now that we're about a little less than 24 hours out from kickoff? First of all, happy Thanksgiving. Uh, you know, and it's a little bit uh, unique now because the way that kind of the calendar hits, it's after Thanksgiving, so everybody's getting back, you know, from going probably seeing their families coming in. But it's starting to get a little bit excited, excited here, a little bit maybe some nervous energy, you know, after what happened last year. And, uh, if people have had it so good in Columbus for so long that there might be a little trepidation, this thing could start to turn a little bit. But I think they're excited. The weather's going to be beautiful, and it should be one heck of a football game. Would you prefer that the game was before Thanksgiving? I like it. Everybody used to complain that there's all this time off for the Big Ten, but we won every bowl game I ever played in. We used to get down and I used to enjoy going home, eating Thanksgiving with my family, relaxing, and having all these stress. We've elongated college football now to the point where it's borderline like like the NFL so you know it's a little bit unique in that sense and um, the Big Ten was always done before so I always like that but you know I, I get where we're at right now. How is this Ohio State team because you mentioned last year obviously Michigan won the game and they went to the college football playoff how is this year's Ohio State team different from last year's? Well I think you know they went out and got Jim Knowles so it revamped the defense I uh, got them going a little bit the front seven I think is tough they're a good tackling defense uh, you know, one of the top 10 defenses, the most statistical categories now in the country. So they're much improved on that side of the ball. You know, offensively, you know, you've obviously lost uh, a couple of great receivers last year uh, to the NFL and Olave and Wilson, but you know, they've got some other young guys that people have seen now explode onto the scene, uh, trying to find their way with the running game, just trying to figure out who's healthy, who's not, um, you know, and, and trying to establish that. That's going to be a big piece of it. I know that was a huge emphasis for you know, Buckeyes this offseason, through training camp and everything else, is trying to sit there and say, hey, we want to make sure that we're going to be tough, we're going to be physical, and Michigan's going to come in here and they're going to try to bully us. And you know what the reality is? Bullying may be a bad thing in life, but bullies win on the football field. <laughs> and so I know that they're going to sit here and try to come at them as hard as they can. 
So what are they going to do, Ohio State? What are they going to do to punch Michigan in the mouth first? Because it felt like last year, you know, there was that bullying aspect where they came right off the jump the Wolverines did. What is Ohio State going to do to punch them in the mouth first? Well, I think it starts off, you know, defensively, stopping the run game. Michigan, you know, they have an explosive offense, but their explosive plays all come from long runs. And we'll see how Blake Corum, how he is, how healthy he is, you know, Donovan Edwards, this time, how much. Those guys, I guarantee you all, if they can, if they can walk, they'll try to be out on the field for this game. Uh, but it's going to come down. You, know, if you go force a three and out, you know, to start a game on defense. Can you stop their running game? Can you have negative yardage plays? If they're able to do that, I think that that will be a shot across the bow. And then offensively, it should be a nice day. So they can protect. Obviously, they'll push the ball down the field. But I know that Ryan's going to want to establish that running game as well. Bobby Carpenter with me here on the Team 980, former Ohio State linebacker, talking tomorrow's Ohio State-Michigan matchup. Uh, any hope that we will see Jackson Smith and Jigba on the field for the Ohio State offense? You know, that's interesting. Um, I'm not positive on that. You know, I know he's been rehabbing. We'll see if he can he's back tomorrow. I mean, it is the you know, final regular season game. If there's a game you're coming back for, it would be for this. You know, I don't have a good feel for that one way or another. Uh, but, you know, if it's, you know, it's me at this point. I mean, it's a huge game. It's going to probably be the most watched game, obviously, this weekend and you know, probably up there for the year. And it'll be a chance to come out and put on a show. How great has, in the absence of Jackson Smith and Jigba, how great has Marvin Harrison Jr. been? Marvin's been fantastic. And, you know, that's why everyone was worried when guys left last year. And I got a chance to see these guys last year, you know, running some practice, running some scout team stuff, coming as backups. And him and Julian Swiling and Mecca Book have all been fantastic. And then the emergence of Xavier Johnson, you know, who's a former walk on it, is a great story as well. So the Brian Hartline does as good a job as anyone coaching him up. And it seems like whenever guys leave, they've got another crop that they're ready to just toss in there and get rolling. And this, uh, this appears to be no different. So I remember last season when, when Michigan won, uh, Jim Harwell made a comment about Ryan Day um, being born on third base and thinking that he hit a triple. Uh, how much did that bother Ryan Day? And is he using that as extra motivation and fuel this weekend? Well, Ryan really hasn't talked about it. You know, but someone brought it up to him. I mean, I tell, is he, are you guys related, Denton? See your uncle. <laughs> He's my long-lost uncle. I wish. I'd right. have tickets there. <laughs> but I, uh, you know, I think he was asked about it in a press conference. He's like, you know, there's a time and a place to talk about that, and that's, that's not at this point. Um, I think I would tell you this, and Ryan's a very proud guy. He works extremely hard at his job. And, uh, you know, without speaking for him, if that was said about me, I would take it insanely personal. <laughs> um, so I think that there's probably some of that that's gone on in his mind. You know, with any anyone who's competitive, and you know, Jim Harbaugh's kind of walked off of that comment a little bit and tried to back up somewhat. But I mean, the reality is, and that the comment was made, and I was, you know, I've you know, played for Jim Trussell, where you know, you, always humility and wins, you, and gracious, gracious in defeats, and you know, try to be the very best you can all the time, but always make sure that you're respectful of your opponent. And, um, you know, last year, I mean, Michigan won, and they beat Ohio State, and they beat them bad, and they 297 yards on the ground and roughed them up and did all these things. But the reality is, and afterwards, I mean, that Chesley and said some things. So, you know, motivation and the bulletin board material, I mean, that, that goes out the window when the foot hits the ball at noon. But the reality is that's the stuff that you utilize all offseason. That's the stuff that you utilize when you're working out. That's the stuff that you're utilizing during the week of the game when you're tired and when maybe you want to go you know, play some video games. Instead of doing that, you watch more film, you get in, you get treatment more, you take care of yourself to make sure that when that time comes and you have that opportunity, you don't want that feeling again. And so 
we'll see if that plays into it. I mean, I have a tendency to believe that it might, but we'll see ultimately how you know, how it looks. Bobby, you played in a number of these games when you were there at Ohio State. What what are some of the things that stick out to you about the rivalry? Maybe a memory or two from when you were squaring off against Michigan. Oh man, I mean, there's uh, definitely some um, great things. I mean, it, it was a tough game. It was physical. It was going to be hard nosed. Everybody knew what it was. What you're going to be about, you know, in that game. It was it was going to be something that was uh, you're going to remember for your lifetime. And so everybody was always gassed up to play in it. It was like I said, the hardest hitting game, and you prepared for that. You know, mentally, psychologically, you knew it was going to be, you know, insanely competitive. And so you wanted to make sure that you were going to be ready to go. And uh, those were some of my fondest memories was playing in, in that game, the, the four that I got to be privileged enough to be a part of. What was a, what was the record that you had in the four? Did you beat them every year? Uh, we lost my junior year. That was in 2003. That was the last time they had lost with a full-time coach, um, other than when Luke Sickle was in and the interim, interim coach since, since uh, last year. So I uh, lost up there. Chris Perry had a heck of a day. And on that day, they, they were tougher than us. They were better than us. They ran the ball better, and they deserved the win. And so, like, I looked at that the next two years. That was something that nobody wanted to have happen again. And so went out and made sure that it didn't. And the only way to do that is to train tough and to train uh, rugged to make sure that, you know, that next year when the time comes, you're going to be ready to go. Bobby Carpenter with me here on the Team 980. Bobby, just a couple more questions for you here. When you look at C.J. Stroud and you look at the greater landscape of college football, it doesn't seem like there's a runaway favorite for Heisman. Do you view right now C.J. Stroud as the favorite to win the Heisman? I think he's up there. Sam, Caleb Williams, there's a couple other people that are in the conversation. I'll say this, if Ohio State wins, if C.J. has the type of game that I think he's capable of, I would be stunned if he doesn't win it because I don't think you're winning it if you lose the game. And uh, for Ohio State to win, he's going to have to play well. And in doing that, there'll be eyes of the nation on him. That he'll have a chance to have the Heisman moment. He's got the stats. He has everything else. It'll just be up to him to go out there and perform at an incredibly high level. And if he does that, I think a lot of people will be walking away, getting ready to throw out their ballots uh, for the gentleman from Ohio State. All right, Bobby. So when it's all said and done, this is the money-making question. Do you think Ohio State gets the job done? Do you think they get back in the win column against Michigan? Or do you think Michigan makes it two in a row? I think Ohio State ultimately wins this thing. I mean, I think they're tough, they're ready, they're prepared. It's going to be a nice day, which means they should have the full complement of the offense, able to go out there and play. And if that's the case, I mean, I, there haven't been too many people that have been able to slow down the squad. So, you know, I'd like Ohio State to be able to come away with a victory. I think it'll be a one-score game in the fourth quarter. I don't see a blowout, but you know, I think it's going to be something that, you know, you should be feeling, I'll be feeling good about hopefully come <laughs> 3.30 on Saturday afternoon. Bobby, appreciate the time as always, my friend. Enjoy the rest of the weekend and enjoy the game tomorrow. Hey, thanks, Dan. I appreciate it. That is Bobby Carpenter, former Ohio State linebacker. You can hear him on 97.1 The Fan locally in Columbus as part of the Morning Juice. And you can find him on Twitter at BCarp3. Uh, I love listening to former Ohio State players and former Michigan players talk about this rivalry. I do believe, you know, a couple years ago, because one of my best friends went to Auburn, so I was of the belief that the Iron Bowl is the best rivalry in college football. But now that I cover much more of the Big Ten and I'm much more locked into the Big Ten, it is without a shadow of a doubt that I think Michigan-Ohio State is not only the best game every single year in college football, I think it's the best rivalry. I think there's just a different element to that particular rivalry that you aren't going to find across most other rivalries, certainly not at the professional ranks, by the way. You know, I'd love to sit here and say, like, yeah, I think Dallas and Washington is in the same category as some of these great college rivalries. Uh, that's just not the case. So I'm, I am stoked 
for Michigan, Ohio State tomorrow. So you heard what Bobby thought of the game. Coming up, I'll tell you how I think Ohio State avoids dropping two in a row to Michigan, how the Buckeyes get back on top, and if they can, that's next. You're listening to Denton Day on the Team. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Baseball is back. And so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. 180. You won't hear this song blasting through the stadiums of Columbus tomorrow, most likely. I mean, maybe somebody running the music has a, a happy trigger finger. But I am, I'm pumped for the game between Ohio State and Michigan. Last year, Michigan won the thing. I bet them to win the thing, by the way, Michael. So your boy hit on a huge bet last year with Michigan winning. This year, Ohio State, at the moment, you know, let me get the live line here. But when I bet the game... They were six and a half point favorites, six and a half, seven point favorites over Michigan. And I bet Ohio State to win. I'm taking Ohio State. I'm taking the Buckeyes. I think they beat Michigan um, tomorrow. And the reason, the reason I feel this way, you know, it, it almost goes against the way I actually believe uh, these teams are built. Because when I look at the way these teams are built, I look at Michigan. Michigan is built this season with Harbaugh to beat Ohio State. They focus heavy on the run game. They're going to bully you in the trenches. They're going to get mean and nasty. They got a bunch of big old dudes that are going to fill the line of scrimmage. And Michigan is going to pound the football. It's what they do. Their identity has been set from the jump. When they were in the first three weeks of the season having uh, quarterback tryouts, which is what the first three games were. They had McNamara start one game. They had J.J. McCarthy start another game. And then Jim Harbaugh kind of decided after that he went with McCarthy for the third one and McCarthy the rest of the year. The first three games for Michigan were legitimately quarterback tryouts as they were just pounding these teams. Like Hawaii was a victim. UConn was a victim. They were bullying these teams that didn't stand a chance just running the football and trying to sort out their quarterback issues. So their identity is set in stone. They're going to run the football. And Blake Corum, by the way, if he's healthy, 
should be a Heisman frontrunner, a Heisman contender. I know it's a quarterback award, but I think that guy deserves to be at least invited to New York if he's fully healthy, especially if he has a great game against Ohio State on Saturday. I just don't think that's going to be the case. There's something about this Ohio State team and something about my long-lost uncle Ryan Day. Uh, when he speaks this year, there is a different kind of mentality. I don't think that Ohio State took Michigan for granted last season. I think that would be borderline disrespectful to say that Ohio State didn't think Michigan uh, was any good. But I don't think they thought Michigan was that good. And that more than anything, I don't think Ohio State is going to get punched in the mouth the way they got punched in the mouth last season. In fact, I think Ohio State is going to do the punching in the mouth. I asked Bobby about the, the third base comment. That third base comment, Ryan Day is not going to say this publicly. Uh, the comment that Jim Harbaugh made last season after Michigan beat Ohio State, where he said some people are born on third base thinking they hit a triple. Oh, I know that makes Ryan Day's blood absolutely boil. I mean, my long-lost uncle is sitting there, I mean, steam coming out of the mouth, face red like it's a cartoon, like he is hot, the hair on fire, all of it. That makes his blood boil because Ryan Day's not really that. You know, it's not like he was just gifted this job once Urban Meyer got the hell out of town, which thank God he did because Urban, I can't root for Urban Meyer. I can root for Ryan Day. I can't, I can't root for no damn Urban Meyer. But once Urban was out of town, people thought that Ryan Day, and clearly Jim Harbaugh felt this way, that he was just given the job. Ryan Day has worked everywhere. He's worked in like weird colleges in Connecticut. Uh, he was on the staff of the Philadelphia Eagles. He was on the staff of the 49ers. He is this offensive, this smart offensive coach that is clearly worked out, by the way. Like, it's not like he was just, he was gifted this job and everybody's doing everything. for. Like, he's out there recruiting. He's making it work. He has all of these wide receivers. I mean, Ohio State has very much become wide receiver U. Wide receiver university. They had three guys that all got drafted uh, pretty well last year or I guess they had two guys with Jackson Smith and Jigba coming back. And Marvin Harrison Jr. has been not a surprise because his name is Marvin Harrison Jr. and his dad is exactly who you think that he is. But the way that he has become the best wide receiver or one of them in the nation, it's him and Jordan Addison at USC right now. Those are the two best wide receivers in college football. The way that he has stepped up in the absence of Jackson Smith and Jigba has been nothing short of amazing. I think Ohio State, Mike, I think Ohio State's going to come punch Michigan in the mouth, and I think I'm going to cash out on my seven, uh, seven and a half is the line right now. I think I'm going to cash out on my seven and a half uh, bet there. I think Ohio State really handles Michigan tomorrow. A thousand percent agree. I think, I've been saying it to my friends the entire week, I think Ohio State's going to smack them. I mean, I think it's going to be, take an alternate spread if you want. I'm taking the uh, eight and a half is what it's at on FanDuel. Marvin Harrison, one bet that I really like. Marvin Harrison Jr., over 100 receiving yards, plus 130, and also give me over 55 and a half points for the total. Oh, I'd like the over 55 and a half. I think that's, I do think we're going to see quite a good, good amount of scoring here, even though Michigan... They do not have the explosivity that Ohio State has, but I think we will see a good amount of scoring. Yeah, I could see it being like final score like 42-ish to like 21. Maybe a couple field goals in there, like here and there's so like 45 to like 27 or something. But I, I, th I think Ohio State take care, takes care of Michigan. Could be wrong, though.
I mean, this was this was such wrong. a contrast to where I was feeling because I remember, I remember two weeks ago, Kevin and I were talking. We always do a college football segment on on the morning show after the rankings are unveiled because he loves college football. I love and I work in college football, so we just we take like 20, 30 minutes and just kind of go through a bunch of things. And at that time, I was very much in favor of Michigan. Like, I actually like Jim Harbaugh. I know a lot of people don't like Jim Harbaugh. He's weird. He's quirky. He's this kind of hard, eccentric guy to understand. I get all of those things. But there's something about him that is just appealing to me. I don't know what it is. Maybe I love the ugly, ugly ducking, duckling. I don't know. But I like Jim Harbaugh. But I was just driving around literally three days ago. And I was like, there's no way Michigan's doing it twice in a row. J.J. McCarthy, at least to this point in the season is not making big explosive plays with his arm. I think J.J. McCarthy, uh, from his athleticism, is great. I know he was this this hot five-star coming up at a, at a high school that Michigan wanted to jump all over. They went with him this year instead of Cade McNamara. But I just don't think he can make a big-time throw at Ohio State against a much better Ohio State defense the way that Cade McNamara did last year. Yeah, I completely agree. I love everything about this game. Two versus three. The one thing that I don't like, though, and it makes no sense to me in terms of ratings, is why is this game at 12? Why is this game not at, like, 8 o'clock at night? Oh, that's solely because of ratings. Yeah. But- solely because of it. Because they know, statistically, all of the, the Fox's biggest game is the the noon kickoff. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Maybe I'm just thinking, like, on the West Coast, like, you got to wake up at 9 and watch it. I just feel like if they, if they put this game at, like, 5 o'clock at night or, you know, 7 o'clock, I feel like it would pull bigger numbers, but, I, you know, it does I, make sense. I, I, I wish that was the case. They did this with Ohio State and Penn State. And I, I know this because I had a, a buddy that came down. He, he, he grew up a Penn State fan, so he wanted to watch. He's big into college football this year. I, I got him. I, I hooked him in. I got him into college football this year. And he wanted to watch this game, and he's like, why is this Ohio State-Penn State game, which is traditionally it's a night game, it's a lot of energy, like the crowd is hot and bumping, you've been basically drinking and partying all damn day, and then by the time kickoff is there like you are, it's a savage crowd. And the reason was because Fox wants the ratings, because their noon window shreds their, their late window. And with this game, now this game in particular I do feel like is a tad bit different because it just carries a different weight to it. Like, you are going to be around, if you are a fan of either of these teams, and even if you're not a fan, like, you're planning your day around Michigan-Ohio State. If you love college football, knowing what is at stake this year in particular, it's the first time since 2006 that both teams come in unbeaten. The first time since 2006. I was 11. I'm 27 now. Like, it was such a long time ago. I actually did have blonde hair at the time because I went through a weird dyed blonde hair phase. And I have blonde hair now, but it was such a long time ago that both these teams have been this relevant. We are a damn near ugly bulldog away from this being a game of the century. It's two versus three. It'd be game of the century. It has to be one versus two. Georgia's ruining that. But the stakes are so big. I'm with you. I feel like they could put this game at 730, and it's still going to draw, wait for it, folks, 15 million like 15 million is going to be at the 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 floor of the number. I think last year's game drew 16.4, which was far and away the biggest number in college football that wasn't the college football playoff. Like the sheer amount of people that watch this game is astronomical to think about. 
I still think they could draw 15 million if they put this at 7:30 though, and it's a night game. I'm with you there. Yeah, 100. percent And I I love Gus Johnson, dude. I'm gonna be ready to run through a brick wall <laughs> at 12 o'clock when they come back from commercial, and he's like live from the shoe. Yeah, I'm gonna be ready to like jump through a wall. I mean, you're, you're gonna be rocking and rolling. There's nothing better on a college football Saturday, in my opinion, than Gus Johnson if it's a good game. And I do hope this is a good game that Ohio State pulls away from so I can cash out. But I do hope this is a good game. There's nothing better than when the game is great in the fourth quarter and Gus Johnson's teases to break are just random words. Like there's no flow to the sentence. This happened a couple years ago when I think it was Texas playing. Maybe it was Kansas State. I don't know who it was, but it was a Big 12 game. Somebody missed a field goal as they're going to break. And he's literally just screaming, college football the big 12 and they just cut to break and like from a purist of a broadcaster it sounds terrible but from like the energy of it you understand the magnitude of what's happening if we get something like that like if it's a tight game in the fourth quarter and someone scores and we get J- Gus just yelling random words I mean that's a win for everybody yeah he's he's the absolute best the guy's an electric factory and the, 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 this is not the only rivalry game I should say I, I do just want to point out a couple more we're going to get some some bets uh, in our third hour. So Mike and I will come back with some of our best bets in our third hour. South Carolina and Clemson is always one to keep an eye on. Uh, I mean, South Carolina looked great last week against Tennessee, but they're 14 and a half point dogs against Clemson. Georgia Tech and Georgia. This one is technically a rivalry, but I don't know how many other rivalries have a, a 36 and a half point spread. Georgia is 36 and a half points the favorite over Georgia Tech, Oregon, Oregon State. But the other big one for me is Auburn and Alabama. And I know Auburn's not that great this year. Even Alabama, compared to Alabama standards, hasn't been great. Now, an Alabama homer is going to say, well, they've only lost two games combined by four points. And that is accurate, but there's just a feel around this Alabama team this year um, that isn't as great as some of the ones that we've seen in previous years, even just going back to last year when what Nick Saban said was a rebuilding year, LOL. But they're 22-and-a-half-point favorites over Auburn. Auburn is likely going to have their new coach by Saturday night. I don't know if that's Lane Kiffin. I don't know if that's my guy Hugh Freeze at Liberty. But Auburn is going to have their new coach by the end of the weekend for sure. Lane Kiffin lost the Egg Bowl yesterday to Mississippi State. He, I don't think I've ever seen anybody do what Lane Kiffin did this week, which is just troll the mess out of reporters who are reporting that he was going to Auburn. I've never seen anybody do that, and I certainly have never seen anybody do that and then proceed to lose a rivalry game at Mississippi against Mississippi State the way that Lane Kiffin did. So maybe it's Lane that takes that Auburn job, but there's a lot of college football that's going to be exciting this weekend. We'll come back with some best bets in our third hour. Linnell is going to jump on with us. Linnell Willingham is going to jump on with us in a little less than an hour to get his thoughts and prediction on the game this weekend, the Commanders versus Atlanta. Coming up next, we will focus back on the Commanders and the Falcons, why I feel really, really good about Sunday, and what I think about Atlanta is getting a a tad bit, a tad bit overblown. That's next. You're listening to Denton Day on Team 980. In doing my preparation for this Sunday's game, you can hear me on Burgundy and Gold Game Day Live, which is during the game with Logan Paulson and Linnell Willingham on the Team 980. We start at 1 p.m. right as the game starts. In doing my preparation for this game, I do not fear the Atlanta Falcons 
offense the way that I have gathered other people seem to fear them. I think there are certain things that Atlanta does well. And I think a lot of that, ironically, stems from Marcus Mariota. And I say ironically because it sure seemed like he was just viewed as, for lack of a better word, trash. He was this quarterback that didn't really pan out in Tennessee the way he was supposed to pan out in Tennessee. I mean, he did win a playoff game, which that's one of my favorite games because he threw a pass to himself and he scored a touchdown. Didn't really work in Las Vegas because he was the backup to Derek Carr. It felt like we kind of wanted him here, at least the fan base did a little bit. He ends up in Atlanta, and they're sitting now in late November, knocking on the door of December, atop of their division, atop of Tom Brady in their division, and still within reach of a postseason spot. So a lot of the success that Atlanta has had is based off of Marcus Mariota, but I watched some of their their game last week against Chicago. That felt to me more like a game Chicago lost than Atlanta won. Now offensively, Atlanta Atlanta is weird offensively because they don't they don't have a lot of weapons, but they put up like a weird amount of points. And they've done it all season. In games that you think they're gonna get blown out in, They somehow stick around just long enough and they'll steal a win here or there. They'll put up 28, 30 points potentially, but they don't do it on a consistent basis. It's not something that I think they do on a, uh, they can do string, you know, two, three weeks in, in a row of hanging 28, 30 points, which I think leads to a reason to be optimistic if you're the commanders. I do not view Atlanta as a trap game. I think that's also very important to point out. I don't view them as a trap game. I don't think they can be considered a trap game. They're leading their division. Houston was a trap game. You just beaten Philadelphia. You can overlook this really terrible Houston team, and that's how you get trapped. I don't think that Washington is overlooking Atlanta. I don't find that to be the case. So just based off of that metric alone... I don't think they fall into what you would consider to be a trap game. I just think Washington's better. Like, I just I just look at the teams, and I think that Washington is better. Everything that Atlanta does good on offense, which is running the football, Washington does good on defense. And it really is as simple as that. I don't look at Atlanta as a defensive team. Now, I don't really look at Washington as a great offensive team. I think Taylor Heineke... We are now locked into the Taylor Heineke experience, the roller coaster ride, the the magic show that is Taylor Heineke. I mean, he really just just pull things out of a hat. He is, in every sake of the word, a magician, and sometimes magicians aren't consistent. Their tricks don't always pull off uh, the way that they're supposed to be pulled off. So I don't think that Taylor Heineke is like this all-world quarterback, and I never have. I think he's a backup quarterback that has us wrapped around his finger right now because the dude can't stop winning. And for the record, I'm cool with it because I'd rather have Taylor Heineke uh, than Carson Wentz at this point. But I think Washington is going to be able to take advantage of where Atlanta lacks defensively. They're a, uh, I mean, they're like an okay defense. They're like a middle-of-the-pack defense on, on most major statistics. If Washington can do what Washington has done the past two weeks, and specifically what they did against Philadelphia. Philadelphia, that Monday night game, I do feel was a season-changing win. 
not just to show the team that they can beat a good team in the Eagles that they did. Not only did they beat a good team in the Eagles, for the majority of the game, they dominated. I know the scoreboard doesn't say domination. They dominated Philadelphia, and they did it by running the football. They did it because they found their identity. You have to find an identity if you are going to be a team that is seriously in playoff contention. Like, maybe every now and then a team will just kind of stumble into the postseason. Maybe we're a good example of that in 2020 in the COVID year. We just stumbled in, but really our identity that year was the fact that we had a good defense and we played in a terrible division. That was the identity in 2020. When you play in a good division now, your identity offensively is that you run the football. You have Brian Robinson, who is a natural runner, and I think has had a very, very solid start to his rookie season, given the context that surrounded his actual start to his rookie career in the NFL with getting shot. I think we are seeing him get better each and every week. And you have Antonio Gibson, who for the love, like run the ball with Antonio Gibson. That dude is a playmaker. Run the ball with him. Get him the ball in space through swing action, through screens, whatever you have to do, short passes. Antonio Gibson is an absolute playmaker. It's funny to me now, and I know hindsight is twenty twenty, but I remember in August when there were people that were screaming at the top of their lungs, trade Gibson, trade Antonio Gibson, get some sort of draft capital. Isn't it funny now to think about that? Because Antonio Gibson is not Terry McLaurin. Terry McLaurin is the best playmaker on this team. But right after him is Antonio Gibson. He has done everything wonderfully this season. And if you're if you're still on the, uh, the group, the group of anti-Antonio Gibson people that are going to shake your fist and say, what about the fumbles, Denton? What about the fumbles? He was a fumble machine last year. That was a perfectly fine excuse in the preseason when he did fumble. That was a perfectly fine excuse at like week five. It is not week five anymore. We are 11 games into this season. I'm knocking on every single thing that looks like wood in this studio. I'm not superstitious, but I am a little stitious, so I'm trying to be cautious here. But the guy hasn't fumbled once this year. He is a legitimate playmaker in every single facet of the word playmaker. Get him the football. I think Antonio Gibson, by the way, is due for a monster game. Not a great game. I think he's due for a monster game, and I would love it if it's against Atlanta this weekend. I'm talking eclipsing over 100 yards from scrimmage. I'm talking finding the end zone multiple times against this Falcons defense, whether that be through a run or or through a uh, receiving touchdown by way of Taylor Heineke's arm, or if we pull out a damn trick play. You know, we do all of these reverses. Like, can Curtis Samuel throw? Can Curtis Samuel throw because everybody is locked into these reverses when they see him come around on these jet sweep action, the defensive backs, I feel like, come in because they know he's coming right at me. If you can sneak Terry McLaurin or a Logan Thomas who was really involved last week against Houston, which I loved, it's great to see Logan Thomas getting back and getting involved on offense. If you can sneak him on like a little 15-yard post almost behind a defensive back and Curtis Samuel throws it to him and he has nothing but green grass in front of him. Like there are some options uh, from a explosive play potential that I think Washington could take advantage of against this Atlanta defense. But the, the critical point of this is that Atlanta's offense does not scare me the way that it feels like most other people are slightly frightened by it because the thing that they do best is what our defense does best. 
And I think now we are past the point, at least I am past the point, where I don't trust the defense anymore. Like, there was a point in time earlier in the season where I didn't know if consistency was in the favor of this defense. I knew early in the season this football team was not a good football team. They just weren't. They might be lucky here or there. There might be some bright spots here or there. But at week four, week five, I was not calling the commanders a good football team. I am confident sitting here on the 25th, the day after Thanksgiving. It's Black Friday. I'm feeling good. I'm confident to say that Washington is a good football team. They have become a bad football team into a good football team, and that starts with the defense. Everything that Atlanta does well, Washington's defense has a counter for. Damian Pierce last week against Houston, he was the lone bright spot coming into that game offensively. I mean, he was he was setting the league not on fire necessarily, but he was catching some eyes with the way that he was running the football. He's running hard. He's picking up a lot of yards. He's helping people out in fantasy, which does kind of help when it comes to national recognition. He was a playmaker. They dismantled him. I mean, that dude was not heard of after like the second quarter. There were no long runs. There were no even small, like happy runs. There's no four or five yard consistent runs from Damian Pierce. They suffocated that dude in the backfield. I'm expecting the same effort and the same result this weekend against Atlanta at home in the black uniforms. I just said I'm not superstitious, but I am a little stitious. I understand that there are there are some people that might not feel great about the black uniforms. They're 0-2 in the black uniforms. I, I get that. Yeah. I mean, personally, I, I think the black uniforms are clean. There's just a couple things I would change about it. Like the, like the W on the center of the helmet makes no sense to me. Uh, some of the borders, like how the last names are like bordered in yellow. But other than that, I mean, yeah, let's let's get a win against them. We we need to win in the black uniforms, and we definitely need to win this week. I think we just need to capitalize in the red zone. Like we can't settle for field goals. Like I don't know, we got lucky last week in some situations. Like that game should have been thirty-five to three or whatever. So we got to capitalize. But dude, I like that you said you know Curtis Samuel tossing one downfield. Do you know something we don't? I mean, I would I I'd, I'd hope so. I I hope like it's there. It is if he can complete 100%. the pass, it's there. Like that 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 spot is open because we haven't seen it be done before. You know, sometimes that there there's some things that this offense does, Scott Turner in particular, and then they just don't go back to. And I and I get that, right? Someone's already seen this, they could be prepared. We haven't seen that portion of this offense at all. Somebody on this offense, whether it be it doesn't even have to be Curtis. Like, can Jahan throw? Can Terry, we have three wide receivers that can do a lot of things. Surely one of them can throw a 15-yard pass with like above average accuracy. Yeah. Now defense may like see this coming, but Logan Thomas can throw college quarterback. That's true. He can definitely throw, but that's why I want him to be on the receiving end. Cause I, you're right. When you see Logan Thomas, yeah. you're like, all right, well he is, he is a quarterback, but if it's Jahan or if it's Curtis, I, I think that opens up a, a potential for, for a big play. And I think this offense would need like a nice big explosive play like that. Yeah, I would love to see that in the first quarter, get the momentum going right away, come out first one or two drives and pull something out the hat like that. I would love to see that. Make Atlanta play from behind, which they have done before and they've done a good job at it this season, but make Atlanta play from behind. I'm feeling good about the chances of the commanders. We'll wait for the official picks uh, to close the show out, so we'll do that in about 30 minutes or so. Coming up next, some official word on who's in and who's out. You're listening to Denton Day on the Team 980. Team 980, I'm Denton Day. 
at the Denton Day on the Twitter machine. The official injury report has been released by the commanders, and it is confirmed. I spoke about this earlier in the show. It is confirmed Benjamin St. Juiced is not going to be active for the commanders on Sunday, which means they are really going to have to rely on either some safeties to step up or they're going to have to rely on some guys that haven't been getting a lot of action on the field. They're not deep at the cornerback position. And they never really were deep, but when William Jackson III was here, he, if nothing else, was at least another number that provided some depth. But the cornerbacks without Benjamin St. Juiced are Kendall Fuller, who did have a pick six last week, so he's playing well. Rashad Wild Goose, who was targeted the first go-around against Philadelphia. They tried to do something, spice something up, maybe a diamond in the rough kind of thing. We'll put Wild Goose in. Maybe he'll surprise us. Uh, He did not. And Danny Johnson, who was just recently pulled up off of the practice squad. The other corners on the practice squad, there's two listed corners. There's another defensive back. Demarcus Fields is the defensive back, so I guess he could possibly play some safety, play a little corner if necessary. And then the other two corners on the practice squad for the commanders are Troy Apke. Yeah, that guy, Troy Apke and Corn Elder. So I'm not feeling great about the defensive backfield of the commanders with no St. Juiced. I think personally that St. Juiced would have had himself a very nice performance covering Drake London. I think Drake London has a bright future ahead of him, but I think just the way that Atlanta's offense operates now, he's their best wide receiver, but he's not exactly striking fear in the hearts of opposing defenses while he's averaging 37.2 yards per game. Atlanta does not throw the ball. Like Mariota... I think is averaging under 200 yards per game. It's like 179, just off of the head here. It's like 179 yards per game. They do not throw the football. So it's not the worst loss in the world. I'd be shaking in my boots if we were playing Kansas City or somebody and we don't have Benjamin St. Juice to cover the multitude of wide receivers that the Chiefs have. Or if this was when Minnesota was into town and Justin Jefferson is standing on the other side. I thought St. Juice, by the way, played great against Justin Jefferson a couple of weeks ago, and that further cemented my thought process that he is a number one corner in the NFL. So not having him is going to be a bit of a challenge defensively. Also, no Dax Milne. Dax Milne is out with a foot injury, which means that either Antonio Gibson is going to be moved to punt returner as well, or we are going to get to see our first glimpse of Jahan Dotson returning punts for the Commanders. Remember, during the preseason, there was some chatter about potentially putting Jahan Dotson out at returning punts, even if it was only in a limited role, just to see if he could provide a spark in a, a spot where the team has been severely lacking a spark for like the past, I mean, I don't know, 15 years or so. It doesn't seem like we've had a consistent punt returner that gives us a good spot. I mean, I thought DeAndre Carter in the return game when he was here was good. I mean, Brandon Banks was good in the couple years that he was there. I was just about to say Brandon Banks. I love that guy. Yeah, Brandon Banks was great. He was small, but he was shifty, and he he had a couple of punt return touchdowns and kick return touchdowns. But I am excited to see Jahan Dotson get his first action back there if they do decide to go with him at the punt return. As far as other guys on the injury report, uh, Cole Holcomb, as we mentioned, is on IR. 
So we are not going to see him for at least a number of weeks, potentially maybe not for the entire season. They don't know what's wrong with the foot, which is never a good thing to hear a coach say, by the way, when you have a guy that's been injured for a couple weeks. Uh, it's not getting better, and we don't really know why. Never a good sign. So Cole Holcomb's on IR. Chase Young is officially questionable. Logan Thomas is questionable with a rib injury and an illness. Logan didn't practice today. He was limited on Wednesday and Thursday. Chase Young has been limited this entire week, but I do have a, a hunch. It's not based off of anything. I'm not reporting anything, but I do have a hunch that Chase Young is going to play this weekend for the Commanders. As far as everybody else who is on the injury report, Heineke is on. He's a full go. He's going to be fine. Uh, Tyler Larson is going to play. David Mayo is going to play. James Smith-Williams is going to play. All those guys are listed on the injury report. They're all going to be good to go. For Atlanta, uh, they don't have any any anyone truly of note here that, that's going to, I mean, uh, Jalen Dalton is doubtful on the defensive line and a bunch of other guys that are questionable and likely going to play, but none of them are huge names. It's not like Marcus Mariota is questionable. Uh, we know Kyle Pitts is not going to play for Atlanta this week. That that helps the commander's defense out a little bit. Although, quite honestly, they Atlanta has not used um, uh, Kyle Pitts the way that they should be. That dude was an uh, insane threat in college when he was at Florida, and they have not been using him the way they should be. So the big news is that we are not going to see Benjamin St. Juiced play, and we are potentially likely, I would say likely, we are likely going to see Chase Young get on the field for the first time in well over a year here in the nation's capital. All right, coming up, hour number three here. Dan Snyder is exploring a sale of the team. There could be another major change that follows. I'll get to that next. Plus, I want to take your calls. What is the biggest key to victory on Sunday for the Commanders to go from 6-5 and five to 7-5 and five and potentially jump the Giants next week? Your biggest key to victory, 301-230-0980. We'll get to all that next. You're listening to Denton Day on the Team 980. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Now, with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission.